everyone. I'm sorry we couldn't make the podcast for a few days. But here we have the next chapter of the Curse of the Arctic Star. And a happy new year to all of you. What? Pekka blurted out. Her face going pale. Without another word, she rushed off in the direction of the commotion. I traded a worried glance with George. Come on, I said. Let's go see what's happening. We followed the crowd and soon emerged onto a sunny, open-air part of the deck dominated by a large free foam pool. It was a riot of fountains, slides, and potted palms. But nobody was looking at any of that. Everyone's focus was on the blonde woman's pale, still form floating face down in a widening reddish circle. My heart pounded, and for a second, I felt dizzy. I've been involved in a lot of mysteries, but very few of them involved bloody bodies of any kind. Somehow, I just about convinced myself that Becca was imagining the trouble where it didn't exist. And this was really just going to be a fun, free vacation with a little snoozing on the side. But now, maybe not so much. Oh, gross. George exclaimed, watching as a lifeguard-looking guy in silver-piped trunks dove into the pool and sliced through the pinkish-tinged water. There's a ton of blood. Before I could answer, the lifeguard reached the body. He grabbed one arm and jumped back. Hey, it's not a real person, he called out, sounding confused. It's just a mannequin. Realizing I'd been holding my breath, I blew it out in a big whoosh. Thank goodness. I glanced around and spotted her nearby. Hurrying over, I touched her on the arm. Do you have any idea of what this is all about? She shook her head, looking grim. Meanwhile, George was staring at a young couple nearby. A pretty willowy blonde in her mid-twenties was huddled in the arms of a tall, handsome, broad-shouldered man around the same age. Well, George commented. Looks like that girl's pretty freaked out. Most of the people near the pool looked more excited or curious than than scared now as they chattered and laughed about what happened. But the young woman was shaking and mourning, looking really upset. I just met those two a few times ago, Becca said. They're honeymooners. Vince and Lacey from Loa. Basting a smile on her face, she rushed over. George and me on her heels. The woman Lacey looked up as Becca approached. Her big hazel eyes were brimming with tears. Oh, this is terrible, she moaned. What kind of cruise is this? It's okay, sweetheart, her husband said, stroking her hair gently. It'll be okay. No, Lacey cried, sounding borderline hysterical. It's a bad sign. I know it. She glanced up at Vince. I knew we should have gone with Jilby Cruises after all. Becca bit her lip. Please don't be upset, she said. This is just a, a misunderstanding of some sort, I think. I cringed. Becca was one of the most tactful and gracious person I'd ever met. But she had her work cut out of for her. Sure, maybe Lacey was overreacting a little. But who expects to see a body, even a fake one? Becca was still trying to soothe the hysterical 
honeymooner with a handsome man in his forties arrived. He was wearing a crispy navy and silver uniform and a name tag that read Marcelo Cruz Director. I guess that's Becca's boss, I whispered to George. Within moments, Marcelo had assisted the situation and hustled the couple off for a complimentary beverage. Becca and the other employees started showing the rest of the hangars on out to the pool area. Should we take a look around while everyone's distracted? George whispered. You read my mind. We hurried closer to the pool. The lifeguard had just dragged the mannequin to the edge. So, where'd that thing come from? I asked him, keeping my tone casual. He hoisted the mannequin out of the water by straps of its floral bikini, brushing off his hands as it um, brushing off his hands as it landed on the concrete edge with a clatter. Then he glanced up at me. It's nothing to worry about, miss, he said politely. Looks like it came from one of the onboard shops. As he dove back in to retrieve the floating wig, I leaned closer to the mannequin. There didn't seem to be anything unusual about it that I could see. It was just a plastic figure with a blank white face, like the ones occupying the picture of window picture windows of countless stores all over the world. George was staring out at the water. So that's obviously not real but blood either, she said. What do you think it is? It looks kind of pink, actually. I stepped to the edge of the pool and leaned down for a closer look. Hmm, smells like rasp smells like raspberry. George stepped back and glanced around, spotting a shiny silver trash with respital nearby. She hurried over and peered inside. Aha, she said, reaching in and pulling something out. You are close. It's cherry, actually. I looked at what she'd found. It was a large plastic tube of powdered drink mix, cherry flavor, empty. Fake blood to go with a fake body, amused. Why would someone do that and then leave the evidence nearby? Who knows, George said, maybe. She let her voice trail off. Someone was hurrying towards it. It was a short, pointy-chinned woman in her 20s. She was wearing a man's for fedora and a thrift store floral granny dress along with bright purple plastic earrings and thick square framed black glasses. A snazzy looking laptop was tucked under one thin pasty pale arm. Isn't this crazy? she exclaimed, throwing her glasses up her nose and grinning at us as if we were her best friends. It's like one of those murder mystery cruises or something. Except nobody knew it was going to happen. Bonus, right? Um, yeah, okay, George said. By the way, I'm Wendy. Wendy Webster. She stuck out of her hand. I'm a travel blogger. Wendy's wanderings, maybe you've heard of it. It's like the coolest new travel blog, according to the coolest bloggers. I'm Nancy and this is George. I shook her hand. Sorry, I don't really follow blogs too much. This seemed to take her by surprise. She stared at me over the tops of her glasses for a second, studying me as if I were an alien species. Finally, she shrugged. Oh, you're retro. Huh? That's cool, she said. Um, that's cool, she said. Anyway, I thought it would be just another boring cruise, you know. Did you guys, like, see what happened? No, George said, we're clueless. I shot her a look, and she smiled back innocently. 
has already time to come up with an excuse to get away from blogger Wendy. We weren't going to be able to do much investigation with her hanging around. Just then a pair of young men in superstar uniforms hurried over. Excuse us, ladies, one of them said. Could we ask you to please vacate the pool area? We just need time to clean up and we'll reopen the pool as soon as we can. Second young man nodded. They're serving um, complimentary smoothies in the atrium launch. He added, gesturing. Wendy's eyes lit up. Free smoothies? She said. I'm so there. Come on, girls. I grabbed George's arm to stop her from following. Let her go. I hissed. You already had your face, Molly, remember? We drifted toward the launch slowly, staying behind the rest of the crowd so we could talk. So, that was weird, George said. What, Wendy? She laughed. Yeah, her too, but I'm in the pool thing. Think they'll call the cops? I don't know, I shrugged. If they do, it could delay our departure, based on what Becca told me. I don't think the CEO would like that. Bad publicity, remember? Yeah, plus nobody actually got hurt or anything. George grimaced. Oh, uh-huh. Incoming. Following her grace, I saw Alan strutting towards us with Bess at his heels. There you are, I exclaimed. Did you hear about the fake dead body in the pool? Yeah, I traded a look with Bess, who raised one eyebrow curiously. We heard... Luckily, Alan didn't seem interested in discussing it. Anyway, we have been looking all over for you too. He said, Bess wants to check our, out our suit, but I thought we would we should wait until we are all together. Should we go find it now? Sure, let's go, I replied. Anyone know how to get there? I think it's the I think it's this way. Alan hurried off towards the nearest set of elevators. As it turned out he had no idea how to find our suit. We wandered around for a while, heading down a couple of levels via elevator and, the follow and then following signs pointing us down one long, windowless hallway after another. There weren't many people down there. I guess most of the passengers were upstairs watching the ship prepare to pull out of Vancouver's busy harbor. Wow, George was panting slightly as we jogged up a staircase. This ship seems even bigger on the inside than it does on the outside. We could be lost for days before anyone could find us. Alan wriggled his fingers in a spooky way. I paused at the intersection of two hallways. The one we had been following was lined with numbered cabin doors. The other was narrowed and shorter with a sign on the wall reading, Galley, employees only. Maybe we should go ask someone back there, I said, gesturing toward the sign. Ah, you're giving up too so soon. Alan grinned. Where's our sense of adventure, Nancy? I'm not sure. I think I lost it a few levels back. I joked weakly. We hurried down the hallway. As we neared the corner, I heard voices ahead. Good, sounds like there's someone back there, Bess said. The voices stopped as we came into sight. Three men turned to stare at us in surprise. Two of them wore Superstar Cruises uniforms, one of them holding a broom and dustpan while the other had a white kitchen apron tight on his navy shorts the third man appeared to be a passenger he was in his 50s and heavyset with a droopy mustache and prominent jaws he was dressed in bermuda shorts and hawaiian shirt excuse me i said we're looking for our suit and we're kind of lost me too mr hawaiian shirt said the corners of his mouth turning up beneath his mustache 
This ship is a giant maze, isn't it? It's like a floating fivedom. He chortled and slapped one of the employees on the back. Slapped one of the employees on the back. These fellows were just helping me find my way. Isn't that right? Yes, sir, the guy with the apron said. He looked at the other employee who smiled uncertainly and scurried off in the opposite direction. What's your cabin number? Was it my imagination or did the kitchen worker look sort of anxious? It was hard to tell in the dimly lit hallway. Where in the Hollywood suit, George told him. Ooh, la la, Mr. Hawaiian short. This old sounds fancy. See the youngsters around. He nodded at us, then strottled off and disappeared around the corner. The remaining employee gave us directions. Enjoy your time with Superstar Cruises. He finished softly. Then he turned and hurried off. That was a little strange, wasn't it? Bess said when he was gone. Strange? How do you mean? Alan put an arm around her. Nothing, George said quickly. Um, I mean, I didn't notice nothing. Alan shrugged. Okay, now come on. Let's see if we can find our rooms this time. When we finally found it, the Hollywood suit turned out to be pretty spectacular. We entered through a marble floored foyer into a story living room with a grand piano floor, two selling windows and a sliding door leading onto a roomy private balcony. George hurried toward the balcony, which offered a great view of Vancouver shrinking behind us as the ship chucked away. When she reached the glass doors leading out there, she gasped. Whoa, she exclaimed. We have our own hot tub. Just then, one of the other doors opened and Max the butler hurried out. You found it, he exclaimed with a bright smile. I was just starting to worry, Nancy. Your buckwheat pillow should be here in any time. Buckwheat pillow? Bess echoed, shooting me a look. I ignored her. Thanks, Max. I said, I really appreciate it. That's when... That's what I'm here for. He hurried over to the pile of luggage stacked near the piano. Now, if you tell me who's going to be in which room, I can assist you with your unpacking if you like. Thanks, I said again. But I'm sure we can. My voice trailed off. I just noticed something. Hey, I said. Where's my suitcase?